Well, it is Tuesday, which means that I'm back with Mona Charon, our probably last Tuesday doing this together. Makes me sad. <laughs> well, Tuesdays will <sighs> never be the same, but but we're going to remember this Tuesday because, again, this is our last just between us, at least with, with me. You're going to be seeing other people, taking a break from me, seeing other people. Is that right? It's going to be. <laughs> it's going to be an open relationship. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so, you know, Will and AB, and this is going to be fantastic. Yeah. But you're also going to remember this because, and this is, I'm, I have to admit, we, we need to cling to these positive moments in 2024. I just learned a few minutes before we started doing this about the unanimous decision of the D.C. Court of Appeals on Trump's immunity claim. And I know that you have been spending some time going through it, but my brief reading is total slam dunk or pretty decisive slam dunk of Donald Trump's bogus claim that he was immune from criminal prosecution. Unanimous vote of the D.C. Court of Appeals. Mona, you know more than I do. So I just jumped into it before coming on with you. I only had a few minutes and I thought, oh, you know, I wish I had time to digest the whole thing. But look, you're right. We do have to savor these moments. Uh, And I'll get to some of the text that I have already read in a second. But you mentioned it's a unanimous. So it was this was a three-judge panel, which is the way it goes in the Court of Appeals. You get mm-hmm. the district court judge issues a ruling. That was Judge Chutkin, and she rejected this immunity mm-hmm. claim. Then it goes to the Court of Appeals, where they sit as a panel of three. And there were two judges appointed by uh, a Democrat and one by a Republican. And it could have been a two-to-one decision, and that would have still been legal. But it looks like, I saw somebody say on Twitter, and this makes sense to me, that it, it looks like one of the reasons it took a while to get this decision is that they worked hard to make it a per curiam. So therefore, it's a unanimous among the three of them, which is important, really important for the message that it sends. Now, Very as far as the posture of the case... Trump can ask for an en banc hearing. That is, the whole D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals would have to sit and hear it. They don't have to agree to that. They could say, nope, we let this uh, you know, three-judge panel stand. Then he could still appeal it to the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. which he can always do, whether there's an en banc or not. He can always appeal to the Supreme Court. And we don't know what the Supreme Court will do, whether it will accept cert and then then you would have the whole process of briefing and scheduling oral arguments and all of that, which would slow things down immensely. Or the Supreme Court could say, no, the decision of the Court of Appeals stands. So we don't know, as far as the posture, what's going to happen with this case. But when you read it, it is a moment for like deep inhalation of breath and feeling of, you know, there are still people in this country who respect the rule of law, who know our history, who can shoot down BS in a crisp and uh, clear fashion, but without snark. I mean, they take the arguments that were advanced by Trump's attorneys seriously, and they explain why they reject them. So let me give a couple of examples. They begin with a quotation from a much older case from 1882. And this is the quotation. No man in this country is so high that he is above the law. 
no officer of the law may set that law at defiance with impunity. All the officers of the government, from the highest to the lowest, are creatures of the law and are bound to obey it. Okay, it goes on. Beautiful. And then, yeah, it's beautiful, right? Beautiful. I just need to pop upstairs, get some popcorn for the rest of this. I just, I, I just want to <laughs> well, exactly. maybe like draw myself a warm yeah, bath yeah, yeah. while I just listen to this. I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I mean, this is that you can luxuriate in this decision, I, and I plan to later today. So here's another thing: Trump argued, and obviously it was Trump's lawyers, but when it comes to legal cases, you always say Trump argued, yeah. right? that if presidents are not granted absolute immunity for all actions that they take as president, even those that are at the outskirts of presidential responsibilities, that all future presidents will be constrained from doing what needs to be done as president because they are afraid that prosecutors will come after them. Yeah, I mean, you know, do we really want a president who is, like, nervous about whether or not he can order SEAL Team 6 to go murder a political opponent? I mean, that's the end of America, right? If you have somebody that is thinking, you know what, I might actually get criminally charged for (laughs) murdering Al Gore. I mean— you know, and the court actually mentions that and says, well, if it does constrain the, imp- the impulse to do illegal acts, that's a good thing. But they said, look, as President Trump acknowledged, as former President Trump acknowledged, this is the first time since the founding that a former president has been federally indicted. <laughs> so obviously, this has never happened before. So the idea that because it's happening now, it's going to be the norm is a bit Rich. And also they point out there are other things, you know, there are procedural steps you have to go through to be indicted that, you know, have checks and so forth. Okay. Should I go on? There's a few more. Oh, no, no. Can, can I give you some of my favorite lines? Oh, yeah, From all please. of this? Yeah. This is, again, from uh, the CNBC report, you know, and the, and the, and the judges, uh, again, by the way, they're all women, just, just mentioning here. Right. We have balanced former President Trump's asserted interest in executive immunity against the vital public interests that favor allowing this prosecution to proceed. We conclude that concerns of public policy, especially as illuminated by our history and the structure of our government, compel the rejection of his claim of immunity in this case. And they describe it as the ruling mostly striking a measured, dispassionate tone. The judges did sound at time alarmed as they warned that Trump's view of presidential powers would have dire consequences. Quote, at bottom, former President Trump's stance would collapse our system of separated powers by placing the president beyond the reach of all three branches. Presidential immunity against federal indictment would mean that, as to the president, the Congress could not legislate, the executive could not prosecute, and the judiciary could not review. So, I mean, this sounds like they understood the gravity of this and wanted, I mean, maybe they took so long because they just wanted to make this as airtight as possible, knowing that there there are going to be the reviews, possibly the en banc review, almost certainly the Supreme Court review. And so this feels very tightly argued and, and succinctly written. Your thoughts? Yes, Absolutely. And, um, you know, sometimes the Supreme Court, not not infrequently, actually, the Supreme Court relies on the arguments and the logic of the Court of Appeals below to form its own judgments. So they wanted, it seems to me, probably certain that the Supreme Court was going to be looking at this closely. They wanted to present the best arguments that they possibly could. 
to listen to the rest of this episode of Just Between Us, become a Bulwark Plus member today. 